filled with teaching, truths and issues that matter. Bernie Diamond's A Different Perspective, part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said that his disciples were to be his witnesses. To be a witness involves three things. First of all, a witness must have a first-hand knowledge of the facts. So one who witnesses that a person can be saved by trusting in Jesus must be able to substantiate that statement from the Bible. Secondly, a witness must be prepared to give evidence. And the greatest evidence that we can give that Jesus saves is that of our own testimony. And thirdly, a witness must be prepared to pay the price for giving their testimony. In fact, the word witness is translated from the Greek word martus, from which we get the word martyr. Not everyone we share the gospel with will be enthusiastic about receiving it. In fact, as we do so, we're likely to meet with opposition. Satan doesn't like it when we give our testimony of salvation, and he will attempt to discourage us from sharing it. One of the ways that he does that is by telling us that we're not good enough, and therefore we are better to keep quiet. But remember, our testimony is not about what we have done for the Lord, but about what he has done for us. This is why we always have a current testimony to share with others. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thank you for joining us, Phil here, along with author and pastor Ken Legg, as we look at sharing the gospel this week. Ken, you just reminded us that as disciples of Christ, we're also his witnesses. And you said that one of the things about a witness is that he or she must be able to share the facts about what he's a witness to. We see that in the courtroom. So what would you say the facts are that Christians must be familiar with? Well, of course, we need to be able to share the basic facts of the gospel from the New Testament. One of the easiest ways that I know to do this is what's called the Romans plan. Now, the Romans plan is a simple presentation of the gospel based on four verses from the book of Romans. Is this also known as the Roman road? Is this the same thing? It might be the same thing. All you need to do is remember the first verse, which is Romans 3.21. And by the side of that verse, uh, you write the next verse. And then when you go to the next verse, you've got the where to find the next verse okay. for right. the four verses. So Romans 3.23 says, of course, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that tells us why we need to get saved. That's our spiritual condition. We are spiritually dead and separated from God. Then from there, we write by the side of that verse, Romans 6.23a, or the first part of uh, verse 23, which says that the wages of sin is death. As I said, that's spiritual separation from God, which if we continue in that state, we'll be eternally separated from God. Mm-hmm. So that's that really amplifies the need for someone to get saved. By the side of that verse, we write Romans 5 verse 8, which tells us what God has done about our sin. You know, God commends his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. He sent his son to die in our place. God accepts a substitute. There's only one that he could accept, of course, and that's Jesus because only he lived a spotless life and then laid that life down on our behalf. So God accepts the substitute of Christ and his death as being the death for us. But then by the side of that, we need to tell people how to get saved. So that takes us to the last verse, which is Romans 10 and verse 13 which says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so anybody can do that. You know, you ask them, do you understand? You're lost, you're dead, you're separated from God, you need to be saved. God has done this for you. Now it's up to you. Would you like to call upon the Lord now? And if they would, then we can lead them in a prayer of salvation. Now, these truths 
are the basic facts of the gospel and they equip us to be witnesses for Jesus. They're all convenient there in the book of Romans. If uh, you want to write that down, it was Romans 3.23 and next to that you can write Romans 6 verse 23, the first part, and then Romans 5 verse 8 and Romans 10 verse 13. And you can either scribble those in your Bible or have them on a little note or something. It's a, it's a great way to to take people on that path. And as you say, it's fairly easy to remember and share with anyone. It's not hard to learn something like that. So you can have it there ready to save, to be ready with an answer. Scripture tells us that we need to be. So, you know, we need to do this. Yeah. You also said the facts need to be supported by evidence, though, Ken. And you said that the best evidence that we can give to back up the facts of the gospel is our own testimony. Any advice on how best to share a testimony? Yeah, we know that uh, God saves people from their sins and gives them eternal life. How do we know? Well, he saved us. And so when a Christian shares his or her experience of salvation with others, we call that a testimony. Now, it's always difficult to argue with the strong facts of a changed life. Mm, right. This is what I was like, but look at me now. So I say there's three parts to a testimony. The first part is my life before I was saved. And then secondly, how I was saved, you know, how this Mm-hmm. Change took place in my life. I heard the gospel and believed, you know. And then thirdly, my life since I was saved. Now, actually, when you look at um, Paul's testimony, you'll see those three parts very clearly in his testimony. You find those in Acts chapter 26. Uh, first of all, in verses 4 to 11, Paul talks about the life he lived before he was saved. He wasn't a Christian before. In fact, he hated Christians. He persecuted them. Mm, he put them in prison, and if he could, he'd put them to death. So that was, that was his life before. Then how he got saved? Well, of course, it was a dramatic salvation. He got blinded by a light, thrown to the ground. Christ revealed himself and spoke to him, and, and he was saved on the road to Damascus, a dramatic conversion. His life since he was saved, he goes on to tell us that he's been preaching this gospel of Christ that he once persecuted. And he can't stop talking about it. So that's his testimony. Now, I would say, what's your testimony? Get a piece of paper, write it down. What was your life? How would you summarize your life before you became a Christian? Then secondly, how did you become a Christian? And then thirdly, what difference has that made in your life? And try to kind of bring it to just a a short space of time because sometimes we have an opportunity, just a window of opportunity mm. to share the gospel, but it's not like a life story. So let's kind of, you know, get it down to just um, a minute or two where we can share the facts of our testimony encapsulated it under those three headings. Again, it comes back to that being ready with an answer and being intentional about it. We've got to sit down. It only takes maybe half an hour to sit down or for some shorter, for some longer, but to think on those three points, my life before I was saved, how I was saved and my life since in a way that you can explain to people when the opportunity arrives. And you know, it's, it's something that we all can do. We can't do it all in our own strength, though. You know, without God's help, we can do nothing. Scripture is clear. And Ken, you already mentioned that we're bound to have opposition to witnessing to others that will come up. So I guess prayer is going to make it even more important, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. You know, we know it's a spiritual battle. And um, there's, there's someone who doesn't want people to get saved. His name is Satan. Uh, he's the thief that's come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And uh, so we need to engage in prayer in this whole thing. Um, I think another exercise, Phil, that is very practical and very helpful in this is to take another piece of paper, uh, divide it into two columns, you know, left-hand side and right-hand side. Mm-hmm. On the left-hand side, write those people who we consider to be a part of our oikos. You know, we've been talking uh, about our oikos, that group of immediate contacts around us that we see on a regular basis that God has placed us amongst. 
and uh, write them down. It might be six, eight, ten, twelve people. So this is your family, friends, business colleagues, whoever it is that you're engaging with regularly and in close relationship with. Yeah, that's right. And then on the right-hand column, by, by the side of each of those names, write why you think it is that they are not a Christian already. Um, mm. that there's an obstacle. It may be that they've been hurt in the past. Or it might be that they're angry against God for some reason. Or it might be that they have another belief system or no belief system. They're atheists or whatever, you know, whatever the reason might be. These things then become the prayer needs. So we pray for opportunities to witness to each person in our oikos. We don't want to just go in mechanically and, you know, gung-ho and, and, and try to, you know, do it in our strength. But we pray for the leading of the Holy Spirit to open up the way whereby we can share with each member in our oikos, but we also pray against those spiritual forces, those um, mindsets or strongholds in the mind, if you like, that are really keeping those members of our oikos from coming to Christ. And would it be fair to say we need to be very careful about our motivation with this? Because wouldn't it be easy to think of those people as a trophy, so <laughs> yeah. to speak? You know, it's yeah, like that's right. This is, you know, my mission is to get this person saved. Yeah. Yes, that's true, but it's out of love for that person. Yes, that's right. I, I think we spoke about this uh, you know, in the first um, program this week in, in that whole area about the motivation of love. You know, The love of Christ constrains us to do this. Um, we care so much about these people that we want to see them saved. We want to see them believing the good news of the gospel and uh, coming into the kingdom of God, the family of God, uh, as we have done. some practical help on sharing the gospel this week and we'll continue the conversation tomorrow. Until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au That's vision.org.au